Episode 173, Jessica Jones, Season 1, Episode 13, a.k.a. Smile. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and we are wrapping up our coverage of Jessica Jones, the Netflix television series. Next episode after this, we'll be back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And at some point, we will get back then to Daredevil Season 2 and Luke Cage Season 1. But this is it. This is the final episode of Jessica Jones. And for this episode, I have brought in my friends from the podcasting world, Rachel and Lehman Kessler. Uh, I've podcasted the, the, with them before over at Strangers and Aliens. They have a podcast called Geekly Yoked. And uh, then Lehman also does a, uh, a thing called Ask Lovecraft, which is a thing where he um, answers questions in the persona of H.P. Lovecraft. And it's, it's pretty fun. If you haven't experienced it, you really should. Uh, but don't take my word for it. You can take theirs when they give it. Anyway, this is the final episode of Jessica Jones season one. And uh, I think now is as good a time as any to turn things over to past Ben and past Daniel. What does that mean? Well, after the sounder, I will explain that for anyone who's just joining us. But it really does mean exactly what it sounds like. Preliminary investigation. So for anyone just joining us this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, this you know at the end, end of 2016 here, um, you may not know that Daniel Butcher was the co-host that I podcasted with uh, when we first started this podcast. And he has had to pull back from podcasting because of some family obligations and other things that are going on in his life. He shows up every once in a while to do some short episodes with me, but... But as one of the founding, well, as one of two founding members of this podcast, um, he and I started the Jessica Jones coverage. And one of the things we did with Daredevil first and then with Jessica Jones was as we binge watched, we would call immediately after watching an episode from Netflix because we knew we weren't going to be covering the episode week by week the same way we did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this way we could get our immediate reaction. And so that is what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to play the immediate reaction of past Daniel so we can see what he was thinking when he watched the finale of this season of Jessica Jones. And after that, we will play past Ben's immediate reaction. So first, past Daniel. I got to be honest, having recently read uh, DC's Justice League Gods and Monsters, where we have some versions of superheroes that are a little too confident and really don't check their moral compass, but believe what they do is right because they think they're right. And so they don't really reflect. And in the end, as Jessica sits there and she contemplates her murder, she contemplates the fact that 
she's done this thing to a man who's hurt and murdered and killed and raped and maimed so many. And as she sits there and she reflects upon herself, and she says, you know, she's really not a hero. Unless she, you know, but she'll fake it. I think she needs to remember what Claire has said. And and the thing is, is Claire, to me, has become the glue of the Defenders. That's That's super clear. And so she's, in my mind, already connected Matt and Jessica, even though I would have liked to have seen Matt here, with the fact that perhaps the fact that they question and they reflect and they dig into their own moral ambiguity, into their own morality, maybe that's what makes them heroes, the fact that they can reflect upon themselves and take, in what I will argue at times, too much blame and responsibility for what's occurred. I really love seeing Claire here. Um, she was fantastic. Um, she made me happy because she is really the wise sage, the mentor of these heroes. She's uniting them, and, and she is a special kind of nurse because she's willing to give and put herself in the line of fire and to put herself out there for them. And yes, ignorance would have been bliss. But like Malcolm, these two are now connected to what are heroes. Jessica Jones, fantastic series, bloody series. Barely for Ben, I'm guessing. Um, I found so much tension. But I also, to be honest, I found a, a real satisfying conclusion, even though we were given the breadcrumbs for season two. And it's pretty clear that they were writing in a season two um, concept uh, trail when they put this together, and I'm glad that they did that. So, uh, Jessica Jones, fantastic. I'll be honest, the ending might have been a little bit more satisfying for me than Daredevil. But, uh, yeah, we need some more Jessica Jones, and this is good Jessica Jones, not the Jessica Jones that I was complaining about years ago. Um, so let's let's keep moving forward, my friends. Agent Daniel out. Thank you, Daniel, for calling in, leaving your impressions, your opinions, your reactions. And uh, Jessica Jones, not for Ben. Yeah, I think you could possibly say that, except that it's fantastic. I just don't want to revisit it again. And I've I've talked about it before. <laughs> the, the phrase difficult to watch has come up uh, very uh, a number of times. And... While I don't want to encourage binge drinking, uh, you could turn this into a jelly bean game where every time we say the phrase, difficult to watch, you eat a jelly bean. That would work. Yeah. Anyway, you know what's not for me is that character that looks like Spider-Man, acts like a jerk, and is part of the X-Men. That's not for me. Jessica Jones, while there are things as far as content that we've talked about um, that, that I don't like, um, as a whole, taking the whole, uh, I, I recommend the series, but I always recommend it with a caveat that says, look, this is what you're getting into. And there have been some of my friends who have said, okay, thanks. I'm, I, I don't think I want to watch it. And then there've been other friends who have said, oh, okay, I think I do want to watch it. And then, then there's one friend actually I was talking to who said, ah, sounds like something I don't want to watch, but I want to watch all of the Netflix superhero, uh, MCU stuff. So 
Anyway, I think it's time for Past Ben. It's his turn to talk about, a.k.a. Smile. Episode 13, Smile. Hello, future Ben and future Daniel. It's me, present-day Ben, that you call Past Ben, so I call myself Past Ben because it's just easier that way. A uh, couple reactions, instant reactions to this episode. Instant reaction number one, uh, as far as the primary plot goes, this was the right ending. Um, she's walking through the chaos. She's dealing with Kilgrave, and she, you know, this is Batman killing Joker. Uh, this is Superman killing Lex Luthor. This is Jessica Jones killing the Purple Man because he has to be stopped. And is it the right choice for her? I don't know. Morally, that's something we have to discuss and we'll have more time outside of the three-minute uh, voicemail that cuts me off every time. But um, it was the right ending for her story. And beyond that, well, uh, this ending is also totally unsatisfying. Um, there's no closure to any of the subplots. And, okay, I've been asking for the connected tissue, and, and we have it in Night Nurse, uh, Claire. She's the Coulson for the Netflix uh, round of, of Marvel Universe material. But um, these things that they bring up as these subplots that, you know, you're expecting there to be some resolution, and there there is none. Um, these papers that Patsy has, and Luke Cage just disappearing, and, you know, these things this did not wrap up and maybe that's the point it did not wrap up with a nice new bow i would have just liked to have seen some form of closure and some form of change for jessica uh there's some change there i guess but then after everything has happened and we go to that last scene it feels like there's no change uh i'm not i'm not looking for her to be fixed i'm looking for her to be changed and um, I mean, we've had 13 hours. This isn't a 90-minute, you know, wow, we went through one movie and look at it. The whole world's different. You know, it, it's 13 hours. So uh, that's my instant reaction, guys. I hope you like it. I don't know. I mean, maybe, Ben, you're going to rewatch this and see the change. But, um, but that's future, Ben. Me right now, instant reaction. I'm dissatisfied with defending, even though it does hit some of the points. You know, in a satisfying way. That's all. Later, man. Uh, it looks like I didn't get cut off this time. Great. Uh, that's all. Bye. And I do think I've changed my tune a little bit on the ending, uh, but I do thank you, past Ben, and uh, thanks for calling in. And I know that you've called in about Daredevil season two and Luke Cage and. Um, if you only knew that I was playing this recording after Luke Cage came on the scene already. Oh, man. Feel bad for you, past Ben. A little bit. But how could you know? You couldn't. You couldn't. Because you're in the past. You can't see into the future. I'm in the future. I can see into the past. And, uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that. I do have some change thoughts. Some different thoughts. Uh, but I do have some of those same questions now that came up in that recording. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and play the sounder, and then we will uh, be joined by Rachel and Lehman Kessler. Um, 
to talk about, aka Smile. Surveillance Report. Okay, we're back. And as I said, we are back with new guest hosts for Jessica Jones. But these are not guest hosts that I wanted to bring on just because Daniel's not around. These are guest hosts that I was talking to a long time ago um, before Daniel wasn't around. And then also when he wasn't around at the beginning of the summer. And then also now when we're actually doing things. So um, Rachel and Lehman, um, welcome to Welcome to Level 7. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, so we've already talked about uh, a bunch of times now about bringing the other voices in and especially for Jessica Jones. Um, and you guys are voices that I've been wanting to bring in because, first of all, you guys are podcasters that I've listened to, podcasters that I know can podcast and podcasters who podcast about geeky things. So to start with, let's um, let's start with just. Why don't you tell us? So, what's your connection with the with the MCU? We, I, I mean, I would call ourselves kind of maybe B level uh, Marvel cinematic fans. Well, I like. I was saying I like all the the things in the Marvel cinematic universe that are very like sort of non typical superheroy. We were just talking about this uh, earlier this evening. I'm real like big fans of Guardians of the Galaxy and. And now Doctor, we saw Doctor Strange. We saw Doctor we just Strange saw this evening. That's going to be fresh in our brains. So if we start <laughs> like we start moving into talking about Doctor Strange instead of Jessica Jones, you'll have to like hit us we over apologize. the nose with a with a rolled yeah. out newspaper. It's the diversity of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So here's what's up for spoilers for you guys as far as your conversation goes. We will not spoil Agents of Shield season four. I'm not even sure if you're following Agents of Shield, but don't worry, we're not going to talk about that. Anything that's happened on Jessica Jones is free game. But do okay. your best to stay away from Daredevil season two or right. Luke Cage. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the ground rules. Rules do get broken, um, <laughs> which is why we have editing machines to take care of things. Indeed. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as Doctor Strange, I mean, it's two different night nurses. You know, you you guys just saw two night nurses within whenever you watch this episode and and Doctor Strange. So. Yeah. It's it's Marvel definitely understands the importance of healthcare professionals, competent, <laughs> competent healthcare professionals. Yes, uh, who who seem to always just be right on hand uh, as needed, which is not our experience since uh, you know moving back and having to navigate uh, the Ohio healthcare world. Yeah, it's a very different healthcare world than what you were used to up in Canada. Um, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, their alpha flight just, you know, zooms in to <laughs> solve all your uh, uh, healthcare needs. Yeah, alpha flight. Let's see. How would that fit into the MCU? That's, that's X-Men stuff, isn't it? Not that's MCU? Really, yeah, so yep. that gets really... That's over yeah, at Fox. That, that gets, yeah, yeah. Although it would be funny if they did go just go ahead and do alpha flight and completely ignored the X-Men or Wolverine. <laughs> it was like, oh, no, you know, Puck. Puck's our main hero. <laughs> so Canadian heroes aside, um, <laughs> you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, you mentioned Doctor Strange. Um, what else as far as the MCU goes? Are, are you – what's your favorite stuff going on there? And Because you've got the Netflix stuff. Is that, we, we, is that we your do. thing, I, I've man? Been, I, I've been more into uh, Daredevil than Rachel. Yeah, uh, I have – I guess this sort of like – 
definitely uh, overlaps into this podcast territory. I have this whole thing about how I really loved Jessica Jones, but I couldn't watch Daredevil. And I found, despite how grim (laughs) and intense (laughs) Jessica Jones gets, I somehow find it, I found Daredevil too, too hard to watch, too dark for me. Um, and yet Jessica Jones, for some reason, I, I loved, and I, I have, I have reasons for that, which I could go into. I, I would like you to go into them. I, I don't know if now is the time or maybe it is because, um, when we were talking about the final episode, so re- like I said, it's the true. whole, the whole series is free game right now. So if you want to jump into what it is you like about Jessica Jones, go for it. Let's do it. Sure. Let's okay. hear it. Well, I mean, okay, so Jessica Jones is obviously incredibly violent, and there are some some scenes that are, there, there are individual scenes that are really hard to watch of people being made to do horrible things to themselves uh, and or others. Um, but there is something in Je- that, that Jessica Jones herself is this person compelled to do good despite her... I don't know, reluctance to doing good or her um, not feeling like she can do good. And, and yet she is still, yet she is still driven to doing good. And there is, there is a justice I feel like built into the universe of Jessica Jones. And there was just something in Daredevil that seemed so, just well, so incredibly nihilistic. Well, Daredevil was also this this kind of I don't know, <laughs> dudeish, you know, yeah, uh, um, kind of exploration <laughs> of of what is it what does it mean to be a vigilante and what does it mean to be violent and you know like oh I can't kill but I'm just going to have these people around who will do the killing for me and I'll be kind of morally off the hook but not really. But there was yeah, and I guess like there was this like moral moral gray ground in daredevil that i just struggled with whereas jessica jones is she's likely an alcoholic and she is battling her own demons but can i say that re-watching jessica jones i i was oddly reminded of Kristen bell's character from the good place <laughs> a little bit okay a especially bit. in being reminded of of kind of uh flashback jessica jones yeah. and like that kind of just goofy yes. drinky you know obnoxious like i like there's there's some weird parallels <laughs> that that could Fair. possibly be explored Fair. but we we don't want to spoil good place either because that's not <laughs> on our, that's not on our list of uh spoilables no, no, it's not because I don't even know what you're talking about with that one. Oh, yeah, this is the so. new comedy with Kristen Bell and, and Ted, Ted Danson. Danson. Oh, oh, okay. On NBC, highly, highly recommend. Gotcha. Yeah, I've, I just saw a commercial for a credit card company with the two of them, and I thought, why are they <laughs> together? <laughs> but no, I, I think I definitely get what Rachel is talking about because uh, because. Uh, I have much more of a, a tolerance for kind of bleakness <laughs> and, and you know, I, I got through Breaking Bad and, and Rachel was I not in any way interested Breaking in Breaking Bad. Um, Interesting. I watched, Strange, I watched Stranger Things, which, while not necessarily bleak, is definitely, you know, more, has more thematic content, shall we say. Um, 
but occasionally Rachel and I will, will discover stuff that while having a lot of violence, having a lot of really disturbing imagery has a sort of a core I don't know, like, is this where I go on about like why, how much I love the TV show Hannibal? Well, that's what I'm gonna. That's the okay. that's what I yes. can compare it to, right? Like, you yeah. hate horror and yet really like Hannibal. You know, you're not into the kind of the 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 gritty noirness of say a Daredevil, but you really like Jessica Jones. So there is there is something interesting about that and and what those shows. I guess I offer. just I found the world of Jessica Jones less bleak or less nihilistic than the world of Daredevil. I, I think. I mean, for me, there's there's an element of with Daredevil, the the violence in Daredevil is dissociated from the real world for me. Mm-hmm. It's it's much more. I mean, it's 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 over the top. It's yeah. gross. It's bloody. It's easier for me to watch. Uh, with mm-hmm. Jessica Jones, the rewatch because I've for every episode that we've done for Welcome to Level Seven, we watched it once with the binge watch and left the phone message afterward. And then we rewatch before we do the episode where we're talking about it. Right. And the the rewatch was very difficult because I knew it was coming. And the violence and the and this is something that has been said a lot on the on the podcast, but the violence and the metaphorical villainy that's going on with Jessica Jones with Kilgrave is very real worldy. Yeah, as far as and that makes it a harder thing for me to watch and something that I don't know after the second rewatch it, that I'll return to with Jessica Jones. Daredevil, if I have time, I, I could see myself saying, oh, maybe I'll watch a couple episodes or or something. But with Jessica Jones, it's so meaty and so real mm. and so just it, it was difficult the first time made more difficult the second time. Um yeah, it just that that's kind of my take on that. But then you're talking about the moral world of Jessica Jones, and I totally see that because with Daredevil, he's constantly struggling with what's the right thing to do. Right. And with Jessica Jones, she struggles with I mean, she even says, you know, the world thinks I'm a hero and maybe if they keep believing it, I'll start believing it or something like that. But her morality is person driven. Her yeah. morality is I have to help people. And I have to help people like Hope. I have to help people like, um, you know, the guy down the hall. I can't remember his yeah. name. Um, but I know, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, I mean, it, and so she has this this morality that she knows she must do, mm-hmm. even though she doesn't see herself. Like, I'm not a hero, but right. I'm and doing hero things. Dif- and it's also the difference between the sort of the reluctant hero and the tortured hero. Yeah and, yeah, Dare, and Daredevil is much more the I am the tortured hero, and this is the burden I must carry, and I do this alone, except that I have all these friends that and, I hang and out yeah, with. Yeah, and with Jessica Jones, <laughs> it's it's exactly what you're talking about, Ben. She struggles with seeing herself as the hero, but yet she is compelled to respond to the needs and others that she sees. And it's also a really good show dealing with trauma, right? And dealing with the after effect of trauma and how so often, you know, people who endure something horrible. And I think it's no it's no stretch to say that this show is a a big reflection on on rape survival and abuse survival. Um, You know, there's there's a tendency to to think of, you know, of of folks who've gone through this as as passive as folks who have had stuff done to them. And that kind of passivity becomes a part of their identity. And this show is about that 
about throwing that off and subverting that. And Jessica Jones is a very active character, and she is not just kind of a, a you know a broken flower, but is someone who is really take charge from the get go. Um, and the show is, I think, really successful in in subverting a lot of those expectations and and playing with that that central metaphor, which could have been done in a very hacky fashion, but wasn't. They 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 you know from the beginning to the end, they they stuck with it, and and the payoff was the payoff worked. It's it's complicated, but it works. Well, let's talk about this episode in particular. Um, we'll breeze through the plot because honestly, while there's so much stuff going on. There's not a lot of things happening um, yeah. for this episode. We start out with Luke in the hospital with a head wound um, from the, the battle earlier. And basically Jessica Jones has saved his life by getting him into the hospital and then getting him out of the hospital and getting <laughs> Night Nurse to help him. But as Night Nurse takes Luke Cage out, she realizes that Kilgrave is actually in the hospital and we get what I call the zombie sequence. I just, yeah. I cannot like help a, but think about how this is, it feels like a zombie movie. It feels like Walking mm-hmm. Dead, uh, except there's only one target, and that's that's Jessica. She does escape, and she gets back to her place where Night Nurse is there, and they are, uh, we get the eye thing. <laughs> the, oh. the needle in the eye, which is really bad. Uh, meanwhile, Kilgrave is getting experimented upon by his dad once more, and we get images that are reflecting back to when he was a child and his his parents were doing the experiments on him. Uh, Jessica Jones leaves Luke with some last words that he may not even have heard because he was out like a light um, that's been turned off. Um, she and Trish go to investigate where uh, where Kilgrave was. And we get a code word, and this is important, something that Jessica would never say that can show Trish that Jessica is not under Kilgrave's control. Something like, I love you. Uh, Jessica goes up to the apartment where Kilgrave was uh, operated on by his father and where um, the people who own the apartment are now just going through awful, awful stuff because they have had Kilgrave give them orders to... Uh, remove dad from the face of the earth. She finds oh. this bloodbath, but she also finds a clue to the whereabouts of Kilgrave that was left for her. He's on their boat. Jessica Jones calls Hogarth and complains to Hogarth because Hogarth got the tissue from Kilgrave's yeah. child, and that's what allows him to become more powerful. We get the showdown on the docks. We get a big fight with uh, cops with guns and... She's wearing headphones so she can't hear his orders because um, now it's possible that she has lost the ability to not be controlled by him if he's that powerful. Uh, she then comes to the boat where he has a couple dozen people who are just in his thrall. He tells them to stop killing each other or start killing each other. And then as Jessica and Trish fight through them, he yells stop and Jessica stops. And so now we get the final showdown. Is she under his control or not. And Kilgrave decides to take Trish instead of Jessica. He thinks that Jessica is trying to trick him. He takes Trish, tells her, kiss me, make it count, you know, and then realizes, wait, Jessica's not doing anything. It's true. You'll be with me. And so he goes over to Jessica. Jessica tells Trish, I love you, snaps Kilgrave's neck, and Kilgrave has been killed. Bringing us to 
the wrap-up. Hogarth goes in as Jessica's defense lawyer. Uh, Jessica is let off for Kilgrave's death and goes back to her, her detective agency where she's getting lots of calls for help from people who are desperate and need help. And they have heard about her and what she did with Kilgrave. And also Trish gets some papers that probably have something to do with Jessica's origin story that we don't really know. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's the episode. I mean, this is the end of the series or the season rather sets up possibilities for a second season. Um, but definitely ends this, this season with a, a bow. I mean, Kilgrave's not coming back. God, no. <laughs> and, that, and that was a big surprise for me. I was, I, I was not certain that she would kill him. And, and I, and I, I struggle with wondering if, if how much I, how much, how I feel about that, you know, like, is, could she have, could she have somehow like, you know, d- dislocated his jaw or could she have done something to sort of <laughs> silence him without, you know, killing him? Um, is but, this the ending that we needed know. though? Is, is this what other way, if she had left him alive, would that have been more satisfying for us? First of all, she wouldn't have killed him. Uh, and second of all, he'd be around for a second season. But uh, is this what we needed for this this season? I mean, it makes it cleaner, right? I mean, it, it, it ends things on a really definitive you know, note. So there is no ambiguity aside from just the fact that she has now killed this dude. Um, and I don't know that that was I remember being a lot more disappointed at his death. Hmm. When the, and the first time I watched it, just because it felt like, oh, okay, that's that's how that's how you get rid of a, a mind control villain. You you just kill them, uh, as opposed to figure out more creative ways. And, and you know, smash uh, the patriarchy. That's right, smashing the patriarchy. Well, I, um, I was disappointed in her. Like when I first saw it, the, this mm. time around, I knew it was coming. But I was disappointed. Like, wait, you? It's that whole thing. I mean, it's the cliche, right? Where. The bad guy is on the ground. The good guy has the gun and is about to shoot the bad guy. And then the good guy's friends are all, wait, no, that makes you as bad as him if you do that. Yeah. And, and so you get that cliche. And, I, I, and I, in, in my heart, I'm actually kind of saying, wait, no. So the, that's why I'm, I'm posing the question to you guys. Like, is this the only ending that we really – is this a satisfying ending? But is, I think it's in a way – the argument is she was doing it as she was killing him as much to as much for Trish as for herself. Right. There is a, there is an element of I'm going, I feel like I'm going into like Graham Greene esque territory. Very (laughs) like you, 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 what is the, the book? um, Is it the heart of the matter where the person like basically kills himself and damns himself to hell as a way of, saving other people and um that that she goes to that dark place killing Kilgrave as a way of protecting the those or at least the one person that she loves well it's yes because it's final he is not going to he is not going to ruin anyone else's life ever he's not going to put anyone through what she's been through ever again. Well, and, and I think, I think I like it better knowing that, you know, she did try to keep him alive and she did try to figure out a way to like imprison him and, yeah. and, and neutralize him and get him to, you know, confess to his crimes. And that didn't work because he's Kilgrave and, and well, and then and we're getting into doing, the torture was, issues of, 
Like, yes. Yes. But he was irredeemable. Oh, Absolutely yeah. irredeemable. And, and that does change the, the equation a lot. Because that's, I mean, that's the whole point of, maybe the point of Batman not killing anyone. Like, they could, <laughs> they can be reformed. I, I don't know. I mean... I, well, I, I mean, except except comic books always get away, and this is part of my frustration with Daredevil, right? You know, Batman refused to you know kill the the killer, the you know murderer when he was part of the League of Assassins, but then he like sets off a chain of events that blows up a temple and presumably kills a lot more people. <laughs> you know, Daredevil refuses to kill, but he's willing to partner with like Russian mobsters who are mowing people down who are chasing Daredevil. So it's like whereas there is, I maybe I'm coming off as like the one defending <laughs> Jessica Jones, but I mean there is a definitiveness to her killing of Kilgrave. There is just a there's a directness to it. There's a bluntness to it. There's a taking responsibility. Taking responsibility, right? There is there is just a a willingness to look into the reality of what she has to do in that moment and doing it. Well, yes, because I mean, following this through, how many times is she going to have him in that position? If yeah. she lets him go now and he goes into the justice system or if she if she does like just tear out his throat and let <laughs> him live, which that would be a possibility. I mean, I think that's mm. a different, darker ending even than killing him because uh, that's really gruesome. Um, yeah. I mean, we got a nice bloodless kill here and it, it's it's a safe kill. But yeah, I... I just go back and forth on this. There is really no other answer to stopping him than to kill him. And she does it personally with her own hands. It, this is not yeah, a chain of events that she's put in place where he has accidentally ordered someone to kill him. No. You know, she's not tricking Mixelplex to say his name backwards or something. It's it's no. taking <laughs> taking things into her own hands and making it happen. And it's face to face, too. I mean, this is a this is a traumatic moment for her, yeah. and, and it's consistent with the show, right? Like it, it's consistent yes. with the feel of yes. the show. It's the consistent with you know the character as we've come to sort of know her, and 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 yeah, the way she she takes charge and takes responsibility, especially when it comes to protecting those around her. Um, so it didn't it didn't feel false, like it didn't feel like you know they were it was completely out of left field. Um, but it it definitely is troubling, and I think it it should be troubling. You know, <laughs> I think you know maybe far too often in our action, you know, movie uh, watching, we we can sort of very easily get to the point where it's like, well, of course he's going to shoot up a room full of people, and that's you know what we come to expect, and life has no meaning, and <laughs> and adventure like this. I mean, that's kind of what bothered you about parts of Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Was when like the violence got kind of weirdly desensitized. Yeah, I think it when Groot like stuck branches just through people. a whole <laughs> slew of people and smashed them against walls. I was like, maybe we shouldn't be marketing this to eight year olds. <laughs> yeah, but that's but, another conversation. But you know, Groot comes from another world where life <laughs> is considered something different. You know, if he had yeah. done that to other trees, you know, mm. they wouldn't have died. Uh, you know, right. So okay. he, he he comes from a, a completely different background, and all, all right, yeah, there we go. 
So, but you you bring up the responsibility thing. That was one of the conversations she had in the elevator with Night Nurse, where they're talking about guilt, and mm-hmm. they're talking about feeling guilt for things that they didn't themselves do. You know, yeah. but then they're also, you know, uh, I keep calling her Night Nurse because I can't remember her name. But <laughs> Claire, Claire, yes, uh, Claire. Call her Night Nurse. Yeah, well, I like calling her Night Nurse. I mean, it, it feels more superhero-y. Um, and she, she's, she's 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 the she's the most. Useful superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She is nobody's psychic. She is nobody's psychic. <laughs> yes. Um, and she, where she's saying, you know, guilt makes people do strange stuff, but then she's also basically guilt is part of a sense of control, you know, mm-hmm. where you are taking responsibility for things. And sometimes that guilt maybe is something that's a legitimate thing that you should, should be feeling. But other times it's you projecting the control that you want to have and it's and with with her here with jessica here the guilt that she has to deal with now is did i do the right thing killing Kilgrave? she does not have to live with the guilt of say batman who joker escapes and kills a thousand more people yeah Yeah. and not that i'm advocating judge jury executioner (laughs) vigilante justice but um, I mean, no. with this one ex- thought exercise oh, well, with Jessica Jones in this season, it's they, they well, built I mean, it I up. He, yeah. And you think about what Jessica Jones herself has experienced at Kilgrave's hands or voice and what she has witnessed others suffer from him. And I think what what clinches it for me is in Kilgrave's final moments, what we see is his complete inability and just irredeemable nature where he is unable or unwilling to actually be able to to um, care or show any concern for anything outside of himself and his own desire, right? He finally is is looking like he's going to walk away from Jessica Jones, taking Trish with him, but then realizes in that instance, Oh wait! I actually do. I, I actually can control her. I I have found. I, like I can't control her with my powers, but I have found a way to control her. I can have her again, and still demanding that she give in to to his obsessive desire for her, that is based only in himself and his desire for control and his desire to possess her, and just lacking any capacity for love that actually um, reaches out to another person. And I mean, I think what we see in those, those last moments of his, his final exchange with Jessica is just his totally and utterly irredeemable nature. And so if there's something that justifies Jessica just taking his life i think it's it's we have seen him as utterly fallen damned Hmm. outside the realm of of salvation well and so and so consumed by by his sense of self yeah you know it's funny thinking about kilgrave and, and, and thinking about other superhero characters who essentially have his powers right like professor x can control people and he does like abilities yeah and and does uh, and, and yet 
you know, we don't we don't view him as the same way as a monster. Maybe I, I, I don't read the Ultimates. I feel like maybe <laughs> an Ultimate X Men, he's more of a monster. Um, but you know, with with Kilgrave, I mean, it is you know, the, a they're 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 playing up this abusive, you know, this the the abusive uh, metaphor and not metaphor, um, and the kind of strange sense of male entitlement that that he represents. Um, but but yeah, it is that consumption of the self and that that narcissism and solipsism that creates just a really petty universe. And you see it, you know, you see it paired interestingly with his kind of monologue he gives about what he's going to do to Jessica and, oh, maybe I'll just oh, kill her. Yeah. Or no, I'm going to make her, I'm going to, I'm going to constantly reject her and, and, yeah. and string her along. And, you know, you, you know, all this kind of like planning and obsessing over her. And then at the end, you know, where he's got this, you know, litany of, of awful plans. Um, and as Rachel said, it's pathetic, right? And it, and the, and the, the real, pathetic villainy comes you know it's, it's chilling it's chilling in how kind of you know banal and petty it is <laughs> you know with the enormity of what he can do um but that's i think that's what makes him such a, com- a compelling villain you know he's he's depressingly human <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well and okay so you look at what he was wanting to do with jessica they do a nice job of doing a they, they trick us you know where he decides i'm not going to use my power against her before we know he can't even use her power his power against her right. anyway and so we're going through you know the you know the middle episodes and he's like i want you to love me of your own free will but right. even then it's all about him you know i want you to love me of your own free will it's not hey i really care about you and so i want to do these things that people who love each other do because i actually care and hopefully you'll reciprocate you know but it's it's not it's a in some ways in some ways it it is kind of that just ugly humanity where you know where people do they they say i I love you you know why do they say i love you well they say it because they want you to to give them something and or they they want to to you know control or or whatever um and and so here you have this situation where he's like I am totally going to do this and make it so it's all you. It's all you, but it's still all about me. And well, it's an utter perversion of love. I mean, it's yes. it, have you read um have you read The Great Divorce? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the the scene he paints of the mother who is in hell and wants her son to be in hell with her. And this, the, you know, I love you so much. I'm consumed with you. And it's this, this incredibly self-obsessed form of love where you want to consume and possess the other person. And you, you know, the, the mother who would rather have the son in hell with her than allow, allow him to be in heaven. Um, well, and that's, that's also uh, Till We Have Faces, which we're just doing a, a thing about that over in Strangers and Aliens, mm. where you have Orwell, who just she loves yes. and adores her her beautiful young sister, and cannot bear to let anyone else uh, have her, you know, and right, yes, uh, or cannot bear for her to be in heaven, basically, with yeah, uh, with with Psyche uh, or Cupid rather, because her sister is Psyche, but um, yes. to be with Cupid in 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 this great palace this beautiful palace that no one else can see except for her sister and so she's mm-hmm. gonna do everything she can to take that away from her 
And again, Kilgrave, I think, represents the the ultimate in uh, the unfortunate reality of people out there who are that awful, but then also represents the the ultimate in some of our baser desires, I think. Uh, Oh, you're right. I I mean, and I think in a way... He represents, I mean, not that I think the there's anything in the show that necessarily suggests it, it, it is explicitly dealing with these types of Christian themes, but I think it's possible to see Kilgrave as uh, a sort of utter damnation, right? That, that uh, everything is focused inwardly on the self, and there is nothing, nothing that is... Um, uh, a sense of love that is focused on the other or or that is capable of self-giving or sacrifice or um, a- anything other than than focus inward on on the self and our own desires and I mean wh- what is you know if you if you want to take a very CS Lewisian, uh, take on what damnation is. I think that is how he would paint that image of the gates of hell locked from the inside. Well, and it's so intimate, right? And he's such an intimate and per- it's such an intimate and personal story. And I think that's why it works so well compared with a lot of a lot of what we see coming out of, of kind of superhero stories. You know, this is not about someone trying to destroy the world. This is no, not about no. someone trying to Mm-mm. enslave humanity. You know, this is one man really trying to enslave one woman and and make her enslave herself for him, you know, yeah. and it's and it's that humanity that really makes it, you know, uh, one of the one of my big issues I have with the with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is is the villains often come across pretty weak. Um, their motivations are, are kind of get feel very generic and and forced just so there can be a, a third act. Um I you know I really I I loved uh, Ultron um, Ultron for the first like two thirds of Avengers two when he was this really interesting villain who was listening to other characters and seemed to have this really thought out motivation and then uh, he just wanted to destroy the world and and I that felt like a, a bit of a betrayal and um, did you get that final scene with Vision though. That brings it all back. You got vision, yeah. No, you got a bit of that with you got a bit of that with vision. The, well, um, no, that, but, that but, final scene, I think, is a one of the best scenes of the MCU, where it's Vision and and the last Ultron bot having that kind of conversation about humanity and their beauty and their. Um, mm. It's it's I I love that scene. I I really do. I think I. I yeah, it just, I guess for me by by that by that point I felt so betrayed because the scene where he's listening to the uh, Maximoff siblings tell their story and he's and even with you know the kind of the CG robot face there is this weird sense of empathy that was that was missing for the rest of the movie and that was <laughs> and and that was him at his most compelling and his most fascinating um, and. And I and, and and I and I can see sort of where they were going, and maybe if I go back, I, I can see more of it. But it, it, you know, the kind of now I'm just going to smack the earth with a rock <laughs> because we need to get the Avengers something to to do. Um, uh, the, uh, it was frustrating, and and Kilgrave is a really is really fascinating. Even you know, even going back to season one of Daredevil, the way they sort of made Kingpin very human, 
and very relatable and, and, you know, gave you, gave us all of his, you know, tortured childhood story. Um, and this sense that he does things out of a sense of love. Um, uh, I, I felt that I, I, I enjoyed that. I, I was not as enamored of D'Onofrio's performance as a lot of folks were. Um, but I, I at least, I at least found that element very human and very interesting. And I think that's, I think that people, that's why people were responding to it. Um, but Kilgrave is just even more intimate and even more, uh, depressingly understandable. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. Well, and David Tennant just does such a brilliant job yes. with it. Uh, yes. yes, that's the that's one missing element here. Like none of the other MCU villains are David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> to to be fair, the the complaint used to be villain the villains are always more interesting than the heroes. That right. that used to be the the complaint, and and now we're in with the MCU stuff going on. They're they're trying to create heroes that are interesting, and it's. You know, the, you have these two-dimensional villains propping them up, uh, but that's not here with. I mean, the, all of Netflix so far, all the Netflix series that we've had. Um, not spoiling them, but I feel like they've had the the more interesting villains, partially because we get to spend so much time with them, and we get to yes, see that helps. And you know, we don't we don't get to, well. We I guess we do get to see Ultron's childhood. Um, <laughs> the, the the joke is, what's the age of Ultron? Seven. He's like yeah, seven days old, you know. That's right. <laughs> um, so you know, but we get Kingpin's childhood, we get Kilgrave's childhood, um, we get again not spoiling, but in, in Luke Cage, we get some childhood stuff going on in there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it humanizes them, which is always going to make them more interesting, and in some ways more more scary, because oh yeah, you can see okay, well, if they're human, then. What about me? <laughs> well, and I think what makes Kilgrave particularly scary is that, you know, he is he represents something that is very real in our culture, which is that sense of male entitlement. And uh, I think from the perspective of a woman that that frustrating attempt to fight against so many, so many elements that are very, very real in the world around us of patriarchy, for lack of a better word, but just that, that whole sense of Kilgrave's smile. Yeah. Right. The whole title of the episode, this is smile, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and AKA smile, AKA smile yeah, yeah. and that, that sense of you you as a woman need to perform for my gratification and that that is i mean it's it's represented so well in this character and it's something that literally every woman can relate to that that just sense of at times powerlessness in trying to push against that yeah. Even even outside of the the complicated and like really fraught issues around um rape and sexual assault and domestic abuse and all of that, just I think something that Kilgrave represents uh, at a deeper level about uh power dynamics in our culture. Well, well, I mean yeah. and control, right? This idea of, you know, you don't there doesn't have to be mind control for there to be a sense of of 
people feeling out of control, out of control of their own body, out of control yeah. of their lives. Uh, you know, the the kind of the secondary male villain in this, you know, does a very good job of underlining that, right? You know, the the take charge cop who, you know, knows what's best and is going to do what's best and becomes just as monstrous in a lot of ways. Well, and it's this is all layered. I mean, you've got the yeah. the literal stuff you're seeing on the screen, which is he's controlling, he's obviously a bad guy because of the way he's doing things. And then you have the the, the metaphorical stuff that's going on that you you're what you're, what you're talking about, you know, things that we see in our society, in our culture that is just visible and here we're we're going to do a metaphorical thing you know we're going to do the star trek thing where you know we're going to point out racism by having a dude who's literally half black and half white <laughs> and another dude who's literally half black and half white on the other side you know and obviously this is far more sophisticated than yeah. that but it, it's it's pointing it out in this this uh metaphorical way and 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 then you get i think I hope you also get this this idea then as well of just the okay so th this is a metaphor of things that are really happening out there but how does it also kind of get into what is going on in here you know in mm -hmm. in my own life you know where okay am I a bad guy sometimes like that you know am I controlling um am I domineering um am I you know, passive, um, you know, am I one of those people in the, the support group, you know, who, uh, is, is sitting there and, and kind of talking things through, but not acting on it. And, um, it's just, there's, there's a, there's so many different layers and levels and that's why it's kind of funny. I mean, this is probably one of, one of, if not the best superhero TV series ever. And I don't think I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> that's fair. Fair. Three, three would definitely be pushing it, I think, because it, it, it's it's hard. It's a hard show, and it's good. But yeah, I don't I don't know how often you need to to, to subject yourself to that. <laughs> it's not quite torture because it's very, <laughs> I mean, it's compelling, and the acting is fantastic, and you know all the things are right. Um, but at the same time, it, it makes you confront things, and yeah. it makes me confront things as far as like, okay, my daughter's going out into that world, you know. Like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Oh, what am I sending them out into? And how how can I protect them? And how can I protect my sons from becoming like that? You know, and, and what example am I setting for my daughters and for my sons as mm -hmm. far as then how they relate to people in, in the world? And um, yeah, so that's my awkward confessions for now. Yeah. So, so but I think, yeah. yeah, but I think it's certainly a show that that makes us ask those questions. And I think it's right to I think they're they're questions that are right to be to be asking. Do you think um, do you think this would have been as effective if this were just a show about a uh, really um, a really charismatic guy who is able to, you know, convince people to do things he wants them to do? And, and there's no powers involved and there's no superhero battles involved. And it's just, you're just seeing it. Here it is. This just, it is what it is. And it's very true to life. It's, it's lifetime movie of the week, but more realistic and gritty. I think that would make it worse. I think that would make it so much worse well, What? because, well, I, I feel like the superhero element of it allows us to, and I think it maybe is a little bit of what you were talking about with daredevil. Um, 
where the fact that it is superheroes and the fact that it is that Kilgrave is as much a metaphor for representing something about, um, I think male entitlement particularly, but I think also human nature more generally allows it to be in a somewhat heightened world and therefore something that we can talk about as a metaphor from a somewhat more detached perspective, where if it was just a really charismatic guy, I think it might get too real. Yeah, well, because we have too many real-world examples of powerful men who abuse women and get away with it. And, you know, like that's been, you know, that there's been conversations around that for, for, for decades, right? And, you know, like, oh, well, you know, why did the women put themselves in that position or why are they accusing him now and not, you know, when it happened, you know, 12, 15 years ago? You know, there's all, you know, you, you could definitely tell very disturbing stories about how men – you know, charm their way out of, of responsibility, um, for heinous actions. Right. I mean, it's, you know, what, what came to my mind in a weird way was the, uh, the, the trial scenes in unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt mm. <laughs> with the, with the John Hamm. John Hamm is the awful cult leader and, and every and he's charming everyone in the court and he's going to, and, and, and it's looking like he's going to get away with having kidnapped and abused all these women. Uh, and now that was, played up for laughs i guess yeah. <laughs> um but but it it, it was similarly but funny. the second season of kimmy schmidt did not to go into like really non uh marvel <laughs> cinematic universe territory but it did deal with her actual trauma as a result yeah. of oh yeah of what she had gone through so true so so, so these themes are being played out elsewhere um and i think i think as rachel said you know having the the superhero-ness uh gives it a a, a patina that makes it a bit easier to deal with uh, it certainly makes it, you know, the, all the folks who are mind controlled, you know, that lets them off the hook in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As opposed to society, who I guess is just a, a, a willing accomplice to mm. uh, <laughs> cultural mind control. But um, yeah, no, this, I mean, that, that's the hallmark of a good show, right? There's a lot of layers. There's really compelling action. Um, there's some wonderful, there's some great music. Um the the show really you know has an aesthetic and a style and sticks with it. Um, it feels honest the whole time through to itself. Um, you know, I never felt cheated as an as a as an audience member. Um, and and it ended on a on a gray note, right? You know, aside from her killing him, you know, her being in that in that office with the phone ringing off the hook, <laughs> you know, at deleting requests for help. Um, that that felt just. You know, that was absolutely the same character. You know, she was she had gone through something. She had there had been a sort of a transformation, but it wasn't a, a completely unrealistic transformation. It was a it was a nuanced one, which is what the which is what the show really demanded. Yeah. And what I found interesting to me, what made that final scene, I don't know, I don't know if the word is more poignant or more powerful is the phone is ringing. She's listening to the messages and the phone is, starts ringing. And she's not answering it. And the camera is just slowly pulling out down the hall. And mm-hmm. Malcolm picks it up. And Malcolm answers it and says, hello, <laughs> alias, uh, whatever. And it feels, I think gray is probably the best word for it. Yeah. It just feels like, like I don't know what this means. You know, I, well, I, and, it, and it's and it's tied to the fact that she, for all of her self-loathing and self-involvement, has helped people and has yeah. surrounded herself with people. Mm-hmm. And who now are lending their strength to her, and that's 
that's a that's great, right? I mean, that's that's you know that's really hopeful and and speaks well to the show, and and yeah, it gives you that sense of of optimism, uh, with along with the grayness. Probably the most optimistic part of it is the way she lets Trish finally help, you know, and is isn't pushing Trish away, and yeah. you know, and and Malcolm there. I mean, he's there. Was he making eggs for her? I think, or something like that. <laughs> you know, and, I mean, he's there helping her, and she's not like, you know, snarking at him or something like that. And, um, but she's also processing all of this, and there's a lot to process because not only did she kill him, her defense is a lie. Yeah, oh, I mean, her, that, that he her, made her do it. Her legal defense that she gets from Hogarth is a lie, and she gets off because of a lie. The truth yeah. might have been enough. Maybe you know, but but well, he's a mind controlling, you know, evil genius maniac, and so we're gonna play up that he told you to do it. Yeah, yeah. and they'll believe you because he told a lot of people to do a lot of terrible things like this. So yeah. here's a question: Do you, do you actually want any more Jessica Jones? Like, do you do you, are you satisfied with this? Like, if there was if they did not make a second season, if they just sort of left it at this, would you feel satisfied, or do you do you really want more story? I would. I'd feel satisfied. I feel like we got a nice, good, self-contained story here. I'm curious about her background. I'm curious about like where those powers come from and how does that tie into, you know, Infinity Stones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she's going to be coming in and being a part of Defenders, and and so will Claire, and so will Trish, and you know they're all going to be a part of that eight-episode series. And I'm really curious how they're going to tie all these things in together bring these characters in together and, and just that i'll be glad to see her again um i'm not sure do you want to see, see her costume again uh, no <laughs> <laughs> no i'm i'm glad they had the one costume shot that was good i also you know we we noted that her first superhero action where she saved somebody she was in costume as a hot dog or a, <laughs> a sandwich. No, it was it was the sub sandwich or whatever. But you know, she was in costume when she did her first heroing, um, yes. just not a superhero costume. But uh, I, I'm I like her enough that I want to see more. But I'm not clamoring for another series. Yeah, you know, it, it, especially if it's fair. if it's going to be like this. And the other thing is, where can they go? Uh, they've conquered probably the the biggest possible personal arc that they can put her on is there and anything new that they do with her is is to is going to have to be brand new it's going to be dealing with stuff that is coming up that's new rather than reacting and and dealing with stuff that has happened over the last well, you know, period of time yeah i think for me the the show was so strong precisely because in a way it was bigger than itself i mean just the whole not just David Tennant's performance as Kilgrave, which was fantastic, and I think would be hard to top by any subsequent villain, but just everything that we've been talking about, everything that it tackles with respect to so many of the things that we're talking about in in media right now with respect to male entitlement and privilege and rape culture. And it just, it's such an interesting commentary on all of those things and really is not afraid to address all of those things. Uh, what living with PTSD is like, um, that it, it would be hard to see how they could do something that was 
exactly what you're saying as much of an important personal arc as that for Jessica herself, but also just what the show was able to comment on. I can't see it coming up with another series that could provoke this mm-hmm. level of the, the, the same types of conversations that it's provoked. Well, and its source material was so strong too. I mean, this was based on a, a specific a comic book arc, mm. um, you know, with the purple man uh, where they, you know, they, they gave, they gave David Tennant about, Two seconds worth of purple veins to, to, uh, to uh, allude to that. Any more purple? I mean, there, yeah, any more purple. Um, but um, you know, it, it just it had a really strong source material, and um, I, I, there may be equally good Jessica Jones stories out there, but they have not kind of crossed the the, the membrane to my awareness yet. So that will be uh, that'll be interesting to see uh, what they can do uh, if they choose to do something. But I, I don't think they need to. I think that they really they struck gold. And I would be I would be very satisfied if if they uh, if they left it at that. So, you have any final thoughts? Anything we didn't cover that you'd like to to jump on here before we we turn this down? I mean, we didn't really talk much about the plot of the episode, but well, it's, there's not a lot to it, right? I mean, you know, it's kind of you know the the fallout of the Luke Cage stuff. Yeah, uh, lots of night nurse. Um, and it was you know I'd forgotten all of that when I thought of this movie. I essentially only remembered the the final like the the sequence in the um. Uh, in the station, in the in the dock, and in the sort of the the big station with the cops, I'd for, I'd forgot there was all the stuff with Claire <laughs> when I when I, I it, that that felt like stuff that would that happened way earlier. So it was interesting going back and being like, oh right, they had a, they still had a lot more story to get through. Yeah, yeah, I had forgotten I, about the uh, the hospital scene stuff where she's oh, yeah. escaping, and you and you have the like I said the the zombie sequence. I mean, and that was <laughs> that was terrifying because she's forced to hurt people that aren't in control yeah yeah and it's just just awful but uh the scene i love uh that we haven't talked about is when trish goes in oh in disguise uh, in disguise oh it's patsy it's patsy i i mean i think that is uh, when you look at at trish's whole arc i mean that is such a that's such a uh, an inverse of what Kilgrave represents because that is, I mean, that is sacrificial love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she is willing to go into that place for Jessica. Um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 and that's probably, I mean, the defining characteristic of love is sacrifice. Yeah, um, yeah, and and that is absolutely not in Kilgrave's. No uh, vocabulary. I mean, if he's sacrificing anything for you, he's actually sacrificing it for himself. Right. You know, he's he's sacrificing it because he's going to get something better out of it. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's Jessica being willing to allow Trish to help her. Right. You know, Jessica has been so against Trish putting herself in danger, mm-hmm. which is their standard superhero thing. And it's totally um, understandable for even regular yeah. people. But um but, but I, I think yeah that 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 willingness to accept love is uh, also a hallmark of 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 strength or of love um yeah definitely it, it's very it speaks very well and that relationship was handled very well yeah uh and yeah. it was nice to see that really uh made you know brought to the forefront uh of of the show so good job guys yeah definitely so we are getting Jessica Jones season 2 but i don't know when um it, and I, I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I'm not, 
I'm excited because they did a good job with season one. I'm just not excited because this wrapped it up nicely. And I feel like they yeah. did a good job creating a character that I felt for. And when I was disappointed in her, it was, it was not like a, I mean, it was an emotional response. It was, right. Oh man. Oh, you did that. You know, it was why, you know, what's, what's this mean now for you? you know, it, it was, it was a legitimate emotional response. And I, and I at the same time, the second time around, I, I, again, even knowing what was coming, it was like, Oh, Oh, that's right. You did that. What? Oh no! You know, like, what does this mean? Yeah. So she's she's flawed, but very yes. Not but but she's not just this irredeemable no. antihero. Like yeah. she's she, she's very it's it's a really hard line and uh for them to to keep to, and they did. They did a really good job of of keeping her sympathetic, keeping her compelling, but letting her have an edge and letting her be sort of broken, but not. To the point of like, oh, why am I even watching this? Yeah, and it easily could have gone there too. I mean, she could have gone the, the route of Kilgrave too, I guess. Yeah, but and I think the fact that they they showed her capacity to love and and to care for people and and that sense of relationship, right? You know, Kilgrave had no relationship. He was pure solipsism and anger and resentment and entitlement. Whereas for all of her brokenness, for all of her kind of keeping people at arm's length, she couldn't resist those relationships. Yeah, yeah. ultimately. Yeah, and that's your saving grace. All right. Well, um, Rachel and Lehman Kessler, where can we find you guys online? I found you uh, because of your your podcast you did together, and then we did some podcasting things with Strangers and Aliens and your Geekly Yoke podcast. But uh, where can we find you guys? Um, what are you up to out there, especially online? Um, what do you want people to, to do? With you, uh, well, but <laughs> folks can folks can check out our uh, married Christian geek podcast, Geekly Yoked. Um, we've had a, a bit of a difficult time recently getting some uh, episodes out as our daughter's sleep schedule has um, disintegrated. Well, and my schedule <laughs> with the academic term this semester has been. Um, fraught but, but we have an excellent back catalog and we're going to get back into things we just saw dr strange which is you know got us brimming with theological concepts um i want to talk about calvinism um and uh, <laughs> otherwise uh, you can find you can find me i, I do a regular um i do a, a regular uh, web series uh, called ask lovecraft where i uh, answer questions as a 1920s horror writer hp lovecraft and you can follow me on twitter at lehman kessler and I blog at revrachelrambles.wordpress.com. Well, thank you very much, both of you, for coming on the show and for uh, spending time you know, just gabbing about cool TV. It's, well, thank you for having us on. Yeah. And I also want to thank you for listening, those of you who are listening right now. If you're not listening, I'm not going to thank you for listening because that'd be ridiculous. Anyway, um thank you for listening and i do want to hear from you if you uh have any more feedback about jessica jones we'll find a way to include that feedback in a future episode our next episode will be returning to regular agents of shield coverage but we'll probably be able to include jessica jones uh, feedback in agents of shield episodes you know but again uh just thank you uh thank you very much for listening and uh, until next time i know some people have been wondering how do i get these hosts who are really the, the the guest hosts up until this point have been really really good and all i can say is i'm not special i just keep running into special 
Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level 7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level 7 pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is I Knew a Guy and On the Ground by Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com, licensed under the Creative Commons license.